Welcome to Janet Today, Janet Tomorrow, Janet Forever, the podcast where two cousins discuss all things Janet Jackson. Today, we are joined by a special guest, Mr. Chucky Booker, the musical director for Janet Jackson's debut tour, Rhythm Nation. But before we're joined by Chucky, we've got a few things to talk about. Yeah, Janet is actually hitting the road. She'll be actually performing at the Gastonbury Festival, which will air on the BBC. Jen is actually slated to perform on Saturday, June 29, 2019 at 5.45 local time. And when I mean local, I mean it's actually the UK time. So you'll have to do the math. The BBC will offer extensive coverage of this year's festival, which will run from June 26 to the 30th with 100 performances on the main stages because that's a lot of BBCs. It's a lot of BBs. The cool thing, though, is if you are not in the UK, you can actually use the BBC Sounds app. At least that's my understanding that they'll be streaming about 30 hours of coverage via the app. And there's also going to be live broadcasts on Radio 1 and 1 Extra. So a lot of us might already have downloaded that app from when we were trying to listen to those interviews over the summer that she was doing in the UK. So uh, dust off your app and you should be able to catch Janet Jackson's performance on Saturday, June 29th. So there's full lineup um i think there's several main stages uh so jana will be on one and and i believe if i read it right lizzo is actually on another stage at the exact same time which is um an interesting juxtaposition yes because i'm actually getting into her music now and i would be like oh let me check her out but oh let me be faithful to janet Yeah, I feel like it's kind of unfair, though, actually, because I don't know, I'm sure like Lizzo's huge. So I'm sure she has a fan base. And I feel like putting them at the same time, like, obviously, we're going to go see Janet if if the choice has to be made. But I'm sure a lot of people would really want to see both. Yeah, send a friend over there to record Lizzo. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Then the next day. So, you know, she'll she'll do June 29th, Saturday at um, Glastonbury. And then on that Sunday, June 30th, the crew will head to Switzerland for the Montreux Jazz Fest. It'll be Janet's first time performing there as well. So she'll be at the Stravinsky Auditorium to perform there. And from what I understand, it's a 50 minute set. um, So quite a bit scaled down so I wonder what it will be you know what will she keep what will she let go kind of similar to I guess when she did the Global Citizens Festival um, you know she was really able to scale down State of the World too, like really quite well and, and it worked very well for that so it'd be interesting to see if it's a scaled down version of Vegas which I don't know if there is a such thing as a scaled down version of Vegas or <laughs> or if it will be you know similar to what was presented for the Global Citizens Festival I'm leaning to it's you know a scaled down state of the world tour sort of like the global citizens mm-hmm yeah so the huge reviews are still rolling in for uh metamorphosis i know that you have been trying to stay away from it but i but but you should know that uh folks are really excited i don't think critics have been this kind to janet in a long time and it's not kindness it's because they are recognizing that she put on a great show like it was phenomenal and this is just for me watching on my phone like it was phenomenal and i'm glad that she's getting the recognition and the respect for that um just about every news outlet I, i i've only read things that were like moderate criticisms but even within some of the articles they were praising her you know there some had very slight criticisms but overall i mean she's getting super high marks and they are well deserved high marks 
The only thing I've seen is like the set list and a clip, uh, I guess the opening. And I'm just glad that feedback got the love that it deserves. <laughs> yeah, the opening, you know, if folks haven't heard it, you should definitely check out our Metamorphosis episode. I know you won't, but uh, others who are trying to find out a little bit more, you know, we talked a, a lot about that opening and how surprising the combination of songs at the beginning was. I mean, if I sat down for a week and tried to figure out like what would be the first three songs, I would have never come up with, you know, I would have never come up with Empty and I probably would not have come up with feedback as an opener. So kudos to Janet and all of the kudos that she's receiving um, are so well deserved. I was on a couple of social media sites and they were just like, people were saying there's no June dates, you know, for Vegas. And I was like, that could be a good thing because number one she needs to rest because it's a very full show and two of course she's a mom she has you no know, mom things mm-hmm. to do but i think it also creates another whole month of anticipation for july and august um i kept you no know, chiming in with like other people like i can't wait to august and some was like i can't wait to july so i mean i think it still keeps a buzz around it and i think it keeps a high demand but at the same time i'm like janet you this is a wave that you just gotta ride it out till you get new music put out new music so i'm kind of on the fence about her not having june dates but i can see why she needs to rest and be prepared to put on her show again for the remaining day yeah i'm in agreement i mean i i was very surprised when i initially saw the schedule and saw that there would be no june date so there was like you know those four or five dates at the end of may and then pretty much the entire month of june off and initially i was like i wonder if this is like you know a chance to revamp you know make sure this is the show we want to go with because i'm still of the belief you know she's already added three dates and i'm still of the belief uh there will be more dates added because the production is huge and it just seems crazy uh that it would have such a short run um mm-hmm. so maybe there'll be more dates added in vegas or maybe she's workshopping to take it on the road um and i do think i'm glad that the residency allows her a chance to rest because she's pretty much going at it for you know the last year and a half of- couple years really yeah and you know she takes her breaks but she's been pretty steady and so this residency allows her to kind of like be settled have a home base get some rest and uh you know spend time with her son and do all of those things without having to like board a bus board a plane blah 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 you know night in night out so yeah i mean i'm glad for her and uh i hope it lasts as long as she wants it to last you know do you think she'll do it every year something like this or do you think they're gonna finally say give us a whole year's worth of dates um you know i i I initially thought that she would do a much longer residency so i still think that that's a possibility i think this could have been a test contract to like "Mm, let's see if i really like this residency life and then of course you know she still has personal things to work out too right so she's still working out things with her son and you know i'm sure all of that factored into thinking about you know the types of commitments she would make um, for a residency but i can still see it like i see that uh you know if she likes it and i think that she will and if if people continue to turn out you know people are continuing to turn out is um indoctrinated a brand new stand elise from the mj cast is our latest um inductee she went for the very first time to see metamorphosis that was her very first time seeing janet jackson 
And she, I think she told us yesterday or the day before she's already purchased her second ticket. She's going back. She loved it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Give us some more. She yeah, needs more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I think that this show is just having that impact on people that they are wanting to see it more than once. Mm-hmm. And our folks are just because of all of the good press. I think that, you know, folks will continue to go see it. So if she chooses to, I think it could stay for a very long time or, you know, she could just. Give us a little tease and go away for a while. Um, either way, we got our tickets, so we're gonna see her in August. Yeah. Well, and I'm not mad at her for doing like a little test run because you'd be surprised how many stars say we going to Vegas, and when they get there, they realize, whoa, this is not performing at your local casino. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's actually you have to put on a real show. So I don't, I don't mind that she, you know, testing the waters to see how it responds, and then maybe say, hey. You know, give me a full year. and Or she can do like boys to men, dip in and out a couple of dates here and there during the mm-hmm. year. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's really doing a great job of marketing metamorphosis, which is something we have been asking for. You know, fans have been asking for just more um, publicity for her project. And um, I think they're doing a really mm-hmm. good job of marketing. One of the, the, the kind of genius moves I thought was, you know, with Yvette Nicole Brown, you know, she's a huge fan. Um, and I think she went on the talk and expressed her desire to meet Janet and they like turned it into a segment. You know, she got to meet the dancers, meet Janet and, you know, it was on national television. And, um, you know, that's not something we would have seen probably since, you know, the Velvet Rope days. So like to, to see her capitalizing on kind of these these opportunities. And then also we got to give shouts out to a member of the Jan fam. I hope I'm saying his name right. Terrell Johnson, who goes by the handle at 2XRELL on Twitter. Um, he created that amazing promo vid for Janet's Metamorphosis, which is circulating right now. And I mean, and it's fire. It's one of the best promos I've seen from her in a very long time and uh, it also features Brandon who we had on the pod a couple weeks ago talking about his experience as the first man in Strawberry's uh, chair Um, so he he got the first lap dance of the new era so um, he's also in that video so just I think they're doing a really good job and those photos you know like she's really leaning into this strawberry um, persona this time and I know I know lots of us thought that uh, maybe that was gone uh, maybe gone for good Uh, but it's nice to see her having fun um, and you know and just being herself and just enjoying the moment so kudos to the team that's all I can say is I'm still so excited for them for what they've created and for what 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 Uh, She will continue to deliver over the next couple of months in Vegas. All right. Yeah. It has been confirmed. Our voices have been heard. Janet is actually coming to vinyl. The Rhythm Nation, the Janet period, uh, Control Remixes will all be released July 26th. Definitely glad. Finally glad to see her work on vinyl. I know vinyl is making a comeback. So, Get ready to collect them. I'm trying to decide which one I want. I think I'm just going to go with Janet Period and control the remixes. Everybody's real hyped and you can get your pre-orders on Amazon.com. I know and I think it's, uh, is it You Discover Music? So get your pre-orders in for those projects. And it sounds like they're going to be pretty interesting. So, you know, I've been hunting Janet Period for the the longest so that's the one i'm really excited about but i feel like since they're all available and they're kind of a reasonable price i think the pre-sale price was 25 dollars. Mm-hmm. um so i kind of feel like you know that's a good birthday gift for myself so i feel like i might just have to snatch up all of those and the uh remixes which is hilarious because i have already worn it out like that is my shower jam in the morning so i listen to the pleasure principle and uh the nasty cool summer remixes one and two 
two is my jam. Um, like every morning. Okay. Like I'm like every morning that is my go-to. So I have already worn them out. So I probably will never open these vinyls, but, um, from my understanding is that they're going to, the remixes is going to be similar to the control LP in that it will be somewhat fancy. So they're saying, um, they'll be multicolored yeah. and it's, it's a, a double, Mm-hmm. album so there'll be two lps um and they've described it as one disc is half red and half blue and the other is half pink and half green so i'm looking forward to that but i may never see it so someone will have to open theirs up and uh, oh boy show it to me because <laughs> i don't have a reason to play the thing y'all i done wore it out <laughs> i need you to stop buying vinyl and buy a record player please <laughs> I don't need a record player. Yes, I mean, I kind of want one. I kind of want one, but I don't necessarily need one. I do have a Moonchild album that I feel like will sound great on vinyl, but you have several. <sighs> I've heard you mention that you. Well, I do. I have quite a few albums, yes. but I'm saying like there's very few that I feel like I would appreciate the difference between you know just listening to the MP3 or the CD versus the vinyl. But I have a Moonchild vinyl that I feel like probably has an entirely different feel on LP versus, you know, MP3. <laughs> so maybe one day I'll find out. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to send you one. <laughs> it's a play it. <laughs> <laughs> you ready to do this? Let's talk to Chucky. Yep. Let's do it. We are excited today to talk with a very special guest, Mr. Chucky Booker. Chucky is a prolific singer, songwriter, and producer, well known for his work during the New Jack Swing era, scoring hits with Troop, my favorite, Spread My Wings, and his own solo smash, my other favorite, Turned Away. In addition to producing for so many R&B greats, including Vanessa Williams, Layla Hathaway, Lionel Richie, and Angela Wimbush. We've asked Chucky here today because in addition to all of those things, he served as Janet Jackson's musical director and opening act on her 1989 debut tour, the Rhythm Nation 1814 tour. My name is Courtney and I'm here with my cousin. Cousin Cam, Chucky, thanks so much for being here with us. You are very, very welcome. It is all my pleasure. We are truly excited to talk to you. A lot of our listeners know you because, well, Janet fans tend to know everybody who's worked with her. Right. For all of your success, you seem to be the guy who prefers to live outside of the limelight. Yes. So before we jump right into the Janet questions, we wanted to give our listeners a chance to get to know you. So we have a few easy peasy questions for you. Just give me the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Fried chicken or veggie lasagna? Veggie lasagna. Oh, Chucky. (laughs) I'm a Southern girl. (laughs) Well, I would say fried chicken. However, fried chicken is bad for you. So I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to be healthy. (laughs) All right. I got another one for you. Fresh Prince or a different world? Ooh. uh, I have to say Fresh Prince. Oh, Chucky. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. Keyboard or bass? Ooh, uh, bass. Mm, Good job. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Okay, okay. Text or call? Uh, Text. Only because I, I, I travel a lot and I'm gone and I'm rolling and that's just me. Yeah. Okay. And the last one, Marvel or DC? Marvel, all the way, 
<laughs> I love it. Thank you for doing that, Chucky. You're welcome. We may have one more nonsensical question for you if That's we get fun. to it later. Um, but let's get down to business. Can you okay. tell us a little bit about how your musical journey began? My musical journey began when I was around nine years old. Um, my mother uh, is an accomplished pianist, gospel and jazz pianist. And my dad was also a singer. So I had no choice growing up in my family. My grandmother, my uncles, they're all musicians. So it was just a matter of time for me. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles and, you know, it was a tough period for my, you know, for my, my family. And at the time, my mother was best friends with Glodine James, who later on became Glodine White, the wife to Barry White. Uh, they, they're, they've been best friends since they were like seven years old and they're still best friends till this day. Wow. And um, so around 1971, 72, I was about nine. Um, Glodine, who was my godmother, um, she told my mom, said, hey, you know, I we just met this uh, producer, seems like a really accomplished guy. His name is Barry White. Um, I want to, you know, introduce Chucky to him. Maybe it'll, you know, give him some kind of, you know, approach to music. And and one day he came down, he came down to the hood, <laughs> like he came down to the hood in L.A., came in his white Continental Mark IV. This was clean, oh, wow. came over and came to like my house. I was like, wow, I actually met Barry White. I couldn't believe wow. it. And um, he talked to my mom and dad and and said, hey, basically, you know, we would like to, you know, like he said, I want to work with him. I want to work with him and see, you know, if he's really, really interested in music. And I was. So I would hang out with him. You know, I would work with him in the studio as a kid and just watched. I watched everything, watched everything. And from that point on, I got really heavily involved into music, uh, joined a couple of bands. I joined a group called Tease. In 1985, and they had a song called Firestarter that came out in 86, 87. It was mm -hmm. a top 10 R&B hit. And from that point on, uh, I just started mm -hmm. working and producing, mainly more as a producer. Uh, and that's what I really loved. I really uh, loved, enjoyed being behind the scenes. And in 1988, I was offered a production deal, a producing deal to work with some artists and my the very first artist that I worked with at that time was um, Vanessa Williams. I did the song "Write Stuff" for her. I did "Write Stuff," and that became like somewhat of a hit there, and it kind of got me got my name out there. And then from that point on, uh, Sylvia Rohn, who was the head of Atlantic Records in '88, approached me and said, "Hey, I have this group from Pasadena that I would like you to work with, Pasadena, California." And she said they're called the Guys, which later on became Troop. And so I worked with them. And then from that point, I was offered a solo deal and uh, the rest is history. Yes, the rest is history. We're so glad about it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so we invited you here really because we wanted to talk to you about Janet Jackson and your role on the Rhythm Nation tour. Absolutely. When I asked you to join us for a chat about Janet, your response to me was just the best. Uh, you said, I would love to. Janet is family and I have always supported her and will continue to do so until my last breath. And 
Absolutely. Yes. Just as a fan, it always feels good to have people who know her affirm that she is as special as we think she is. She's extremely special. What makes her special to you? Well, you know, I've I've first met Janet um, when she was about 14. Uh, there was a production studio out in California that I used to work at. It was a label called Jam Power Records. And her best friend at that time was a writer singer named Melanie Andrews. Melanie was part of the Jam Power team at the time. Melanie co-wrote uh, Let's Wait a While with Janet. Mm-hmm, yes. And so uh, me and Melanie were really good friends. So she said, hey, Chucky, I want you to meet you know, Janet. And now, mind you, I, I've known the Jackson family since I was like 10 years old. I knew Jermaine. You know, I still call Jermaine, Uncle Jermaine to this day. (laughs) I've known him for years and uh, they've always been nice to me. They've always been nice to my mother, to my family, and they're just really good people. So so when I was 14, I met Janet at this production facility. And from that point on, we were really cool. We just became really cool, really good friends uh, up until her uh, Rhythm Nation album. And I didn't hear from her for, you know, quite a few years, about three or four years until the Rhythm Nation album came about and they were having their release party, the press party. And I got a call from Janet. She called me and she was like, hey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just, you know, chilling, working, you know, doing my thing, working on my record. And at that time, I just got my my album deal. So she says, well, I want you to come to the party and we get a chance to see you. I was like, cool, you know, no problem. So I get there. Now, mind you, Janet Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, they had this thing already going that I had no idea what was going on. So I went to the party and Janet comes up to me, we started talking. It's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. And she said, well, the reason why I invited you here was because I wanted to ask you if you would be the musical director and the opening act for my tour. And I was like, what? Like, are you serious? She's like, oh, she says, I'm dead serious. I'm like, okay, well... You know, like when, you know, when you want to get started. She was like, now? I was like, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> you on the clock. She was dead serious. I thought she was kidding at first, you know, but she was dead serious. So, uh, yeah. So from that point on, that's how our second half of our relationship started. So, you know, we became, you know, really tight and worked on the uh, Rhythm Nation tour. And, of course, it was a success. Absolutely. Yes. So, Chucky. If you were introducing Janet to someone who's never heard of her and you could only use music to do it, what three songs would you play for them and why? I would say whoever that person is. Hello, this is Janet Jackson. Uh, First song would be What Have You Done For Me Lately. Okay, that's number one. (laughs) Uh, Number two, number two would be Come Back To Me. Um, And number three, it would be uh, Rhythm Nation. Those would be my three. We approve. Okay, so early Janet. And that says a lot. Early Janet. We always ask people, like, who is she to you? Like, if I were trying to describe Janet, I would definitely put the pleasure principle in there because that's when she imprinted on my life. Um, gotcha. <laughs> and so it's interesting that you name those earlier tunes as, like, this is who she is to me. I mean, the new stuff is cool, too. Don't get me wrong. I, I like I love the last album. The last album was dope. But when you talk but when you talk about making an impact on the genre and on the, the music industry, um, first of all, you know, I mean my 
musical idols are Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. So when they drop What Have You Done For Me Lately, I, I remember I was on the freeway, on the 5 freeway in L.A. Saturday morning. I heard it on the radio and I was like, what is this? Like, oh, my God. I was like, this is crazy. So, you know, working with Janet was was absolutely amazing. But to know that she was also produced by some musical idols of mine made it just that much even bigger. So it was a no-brainer for me. Cool. As we said in the intro, you were both the opening act and the musical director. Yes. I wanted to ask you uh, first about the role of musical director. What was, was this your first tour as a musical director? As a musical director, yes, it was my first tour. I mean, I've been on tour prior to that, working with many artists. I've done countless tours, but as a musical director, that was my very first one. So it was, uh, it's interesting. It's, it's a lot of, lot of work. A lot of people do, don't realize what pertains to being a musical director consists of. It's a lot of work, meaning you have to, you know, get the, the, the uh, musicians, you have to come up with the arrangements for, you have to tend to the pacing of the show. You have to make sure that everything is all on point. Anything that has to do with music and anything that comes out of those speakers, you are responsible for. So it is a big task. As a musical director, do you have play a role in picking out the musicians or is that more on Janet? You know, that was a combination of both. Janet, first off, wanted to, uh, you know, she had musicians that she had in mind that she wanted to use, which is fine. And uh, so when we did the actual auditions at Leeds Rehearsal Studio in L.A., uh, she said, well, you know, let's do one by one. I said, well, I'll tell you what, we can do one by one. But I tell you what, let me bring my band in so you can get a shot first to see what it what it's really going to be like. You know, because as an opening act, I had my own band. Mm hmm. She wanted to have her own band, which was fine. So when I told the guys, I said, look, we're going to learn this Rhythm Nation stuff. We, I mean, we're going to learn it to the T. And let's go in and we'll all, all audition together as mm -hmm. a group. And that's what we did. Um, we first did, you know, maybe 30 or 40 people. And then after that, I brought my band in. And then the, after she heard my band, she was like, oh, okay. Well, we're going to roll with you and we're just going to have one band, two acts, one band, you know, plus that will save on cost. And, you know, she said, your band is killing. So, hey, that's it. The, the, we, there it is right there. So what happened to everyone else? Like, did y'all just hang the sign? Like, we are close. <laughs> well, she, you know, there was like one other, two other guys that she had that she really wanted to use, which was fine. So we just implemented those two bands into my band and it worked out great. Yeah, it worked out great. Okay. Good deal. And and I just wanted to uh, kind of go back to Jimmy and Terry. Did they recommend you to Janet? Yes. Yes, they did. They did. Okay. And how did that come about? I've known Jimmy and Terry for quite some time. We we had a um, we had a couple of meetings actually prior to um, prior to to joining Rhythm Nation to maybe like a year prior mm -hmm. to that. Uh, they had a couple of projects that they were working on that they wanted to uh, involve me. So we had a, you know, a meeting and let them play, you know, a couple of my things. And so Jimmy, uh, you know, I've known Jimmy for, for a long time, way back, even before the SOS band and all of that stuff he did with them. He was working with a group called Climax at the time when Climax first came out. 
uh, they were working at this recording studio in LA called Studio mm-hmm. Masters. And that's where the group T's, where I was working with, we would work there as well. Jimmy was working there as well. And that's where I first met him. And he's, like I said, he's one of my musical idols to this day. And so, yeah, there it is. Well, you know, we adore Jimmy and Terry for obvious reasons, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but but not just for Janet Jackson. I mean, they really did pretty much the soundtrack to our lives. Yeah, same here. I, I, same here. You preaching to the choir. Yeah. Because when he mentioned Climax, I was like, oh, it's a Yep. I was blasting. I still say yes this morning. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, Chucky, we don't have to tell you that the Rhythm Nation tour was hugely successful. More than two million people attended this tour, and it remains the most successful debut tour of any recording artist today. That's a fact. So it was a 90-minute stage show, six songs from Control and another eight from Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. Everywhere you guys went, y'all sold out. Like the first international show in Tokyo, Japan, sold out the Tokyo Dome within seven minutes. Yep. Actually, it was six minutes. Six minutes. minutes. That's crazy. It it would have been five, but they had to delay at one of the major box offices there. So it really would have been five. They waited, you know, so. That is crazy. And people don't understand, like, you had to either physically go or you had to be on the phone. Like, you had to be on the 1-800 number. Right. They didn't have internet back then. (laughs) There was no Wi-Fi. So you have seriously hardcore fans running out of their house going down to the either the box office or calling that's a serious that's that's a serious spectacle it really is yes yeah and not only that so they set a record in tokyo but even the dress rehearsal you guys did in pensacola florida sold out in less than an hour for a dress rehearsal (laughs) yes pensacola yeah yes (laughs) i remember that i say all of that to say we know what perfection the finished product was. But I want to ask, like, what were those early rehearsals like? So this was Janet's first time staging a world tour. And then this was also your first time as musical director as well. So, like, talk to us about rehearsals. Who ran rehearsals? What was the hour? What was the mood? How did you all work together? We just want to know everything. That's fine. That's okay. Well, when it came to rehearsals, of course, you are talking to the man. So I ran everything. (laughs) <laughs> I ran it all with, of course, with the uh, the input of Janet. Janet would say, hey, this is, um, we would like to do this song. We'd like to do this one. You know, let me know if that works within the context of the of the show. And, you know, I just gave her my input and we, we made it happen. Okay. You know, but we basically ran it like basic tour clockwork. You know, we worked from, from 10 a.m. to 2 o'clock in the morning. Just, you know, we really didn't have a lot of time to put it together, but it, I'm sorry, you said 10 a.m. to two in the morning yeah, every day. <laughs> That's I was like, what? <laughs> you said that like it was regular. Like we we worked from seven to three. <laughs> that that is regular. <laughs> well, mind you, now mind you, you have to understand too. We weren't just putting Janet's show together. We had to put my show together too. So we were working double time. You know. That's dedication. Yeah, it is dedication. You know, th- this was my this was my coming out party as a musical director, so I wasn't going to be caught slipping. That's amazing. Yes. So, what was the mood like? I'm sure everyone, for a lot of folks, everybody was just super excited. They were just really, I mean, from the band members all the way down to production. 
uh, crew. I mean, but I would say the most excited person out of everybody was Janet. Mm. Janet was super excited. But more than anything, she was focused. She was focused. She, I mean, there were times when we would be on stage and she just had this intense light beam. She looked like her brother. She looked like Michael, just focused, like, hey, Chucky, let's keep doing this till we get her. Let's make it work. And I was like, even though I was the one that would usually or normally do that, it was Janet that was doing that. I was like, wow, okay. So I really don't have to say much. I mean, she's putting it, putting the hammer down. And she did. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, she was focused. That's one thing I can say. She was super focused. So what were you guys most worried about, I guess, in those last two or three days? Because I'm like, again, first time. And that's what's really intriguing to us is like, when you see this show, I thought it was perfection. And I don't know if you remember, but like one of the very first nights, I think Chapel Hill, North Carolina, portions of the show was broadcast on MTV. Yes, on MTV. Yes, I do remember that. And I just remember thinking like, this woman's never done this before. How is it this amazing? <laughs> well, that was, you know, we like I said, we were just really focused. You know, we, we were super, super focused. It was like, I mean, I, I would have to say that was one of the most, like, I would say most end zone focused shows or productions that I've ever worked on. It was everybody was on one accord. Honestly, from the dancers to the musicians to all the audio technicians to Janet, everybody was just on one accord. We were on one for real. Wow. You know, you and Janet knew each other, you know, occasionally running to each other at different events and everything. And then she invites you to actually say, hey, you're going to be my musical director on a tour. But now going out on the road, I mean, y'all around each other. Yeah. For a while, I mean, it's like the longest family road trip ever. Yeah. How did, I mean, tell us what you learned about Janet on the tour that surprised you, things that we may not know. I think you pretty much know most of, most of the stuff. I mean, for me, I mean, I've known Janet for a long time, so, you know, I know what she's like, but nothing really didn't surprise me. For me, the thing that was surprising or funny to me was that people who actually got to know her while we were, you know, working and stuff, you know, they all, people always think that Shan Janet is like really shy and she's quiet. And when you get to know her, it's like, man, shut up. <laughs> she just she will talk your ears off. She will, it's like, dude, will you go sit down somewhere? <laughs> you know, it's like, sit down, you know, they're like, wow, I didn't know Janet was really like outgoing like that. And she is, you know, it's just that, you just really have to know her. Was there something in the show that you was like, Janet, I don't know if this is going to work. You sure you want to do this? And then once you actually got on stage and saw how it came together, that you was like, wow, this 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 woman knows what she's doing. You know what? There, there were a couple of songs that actually I or there was a break for about a minute that I put into the show. And I it was really funk. It was a song that she had called Will You Be Mine? Uh, will you be mine? Well, we had that in. It was really funky, but it was like a quick turnaround. So we did it in rehearsal and she came up to me afterwards. She goes, um, Chucky, I don't know if that's going to work. I'm like, <laughs> I said, okay, well, why not? <laughs> she said, well, you know, it's not, it's not really a, you know, a hit hit. So maybe we can just like, you know, stop and do something else. I was like, okay. I said, that's fine. So we, you know, turned it around and we did something else and it it, it ended, ended up working. So it, it was fine. 
But that was like the only thing. Other than that, she usually ran with my idea. She was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. You know, she was all game. She was, she was like all game. Let's do it. Whatever you hear, if you hear something, you like it. Hey, if you like it, I like it. But that was the only thing I can remember that she was like, uh, I don't know. I love it, man. I kind of hate that she took that out. I don't know that we've ever got You Can Be Mine on a tour. And I love that song. Oh, I so did, so did I, you know. But but we just did it as a turnaround. It was only like a minute. Yeah. But she was like, Chucky, nah. I was like, okay. <laughs> she didn't say it wasn't a hit. She wasn't a hit, Chucky. <laughs> yeah, she didn't want a hit. Yeah. Too funny. Hey, let's talk about you as a performer for just a second. I saw you open in Detroit, Michigan, the show was on April 2nd, 1990. I remember this very clearly. It was my very first music concert. What? Wow. And yes, yes, yes. So you were the first person I've ever saw on the stage. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. And, <laughs> and honestly, I arrived. I didn't have no idea who you were. That's okay. I didn't know what you were going to do, <laughs> but I left as a fan. You were so charismatic on stage. Thank and you, you gave us literally every 90s dance move in about 30 minutes like you did <laughs> everything that could be done in about 30 minutes that's all i had <laughs> but you still had the energy to perform another like 90 minutes with janet so yeah. i need to know what was that like like the headspace the transition to go from like killing it solo stage like mesmerizing a nine-year-old girl to like seriously like 10 15 minutes later it was not a long time no it wasn't it was like it was 20 minutes to be exact yeah yeah tell me about that that was like one of the toughest things i ever had to go through because it was like after going doing 30 minutes of my show like just full on then you got to run off take a quick two minute shower put on your rhythmation gear then run right back out and then do another 90 minutes it was like a workout every night my goodness. And and you know, I don't I'm sure you probably heard, you know, stories like, oh, you know, the the band, Janet, oh, I'm sure, you know, the guys, they get all the girls, you know, after the show, they're probably gonna hang out. No, we were too tired. We, <laughs> we would go back to the bus and get in the bus and go to bed. <laughs> we were too tired. Well, I mean, you only had like you only had like three jobs. So I don't know why you were so tired. <laughs> Dude, I was knocked out. I was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about not hanging out, but I'm gonna ask a question about hanging out. <laughs> okay. Um, are there any specific experiences you remember from performing with Janet or just hanging out with her that stick out in your mind? Like something that. Oh, there's a lot of them. All right. Give us some one or two. <laughs> Let's see. Take your time. Yeah, take your time. <laughs> I mean, oh, now, now you're talking about just performing on stage. On stage, off stage, on the bus, uh, in rehearsal, okay. at the bowling alley. We don't care. Oh, yeah. No, there, there, there's a couple. Um, well, there's one time, uh, I think we were in Indianapolis. We were on the stage. Janet, usually she would come out in control. That was like the opening opening act. And she would wear like these black spandex. And, you know, at this time, I mean, Janet's like, my, she's like my sister, you know. So, you know, so it's like all the, you know, of course the fans, the people, they're looking at like, oh my God, she's beautiful, blah, 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 blah. So she would come out with these black spandex on and then she would have like these black undies that she would have underneath them you know it was like cool it was like a cool little you know cat look you know whatever 
So one day, one show, we did a show in Indianapolis. She went out. She didn't put her black unders on, and she just put on just the black spandex. But when the spotlight mm-hmm. hits you, it's like you can see everything. Like, I mean, I'm talking about everything. And I screamed out, JJ, come here. I said, you need to go put something on. I said, because they can see everything. She said, what? I said, they can see everything. She said, oh, no. (laughs) So she ran off the stage. We had a dark stage for maybe about a minute. Then when she came back on, she had them black things back on. I was like, whoo. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. I'm horrified in the past tense. Yes, it was. I mean, it, it was just real brief. It was like, bam. I was like, oh, my God. Well, I'm glad you saved her. Oh, thank you for that. <laughs> well, I had to. I saved her. But the, but the crazy thing was that only the people in the front row, like, they were clapping. And as soon as they put the spotlight and they saw her, they just stopped clapping. They just stared. That's when I was like, what's going on? Oh, that's what's going on. <laughs> like, oh. I said, JJ, come here. She said, I said, put something on. I said, they can see everything. She was like, oh my God. Wow. <laughs> wow. She ran off, came back. It was cool. That, that, oh, was, that was a trip. That one was funny. She was rushing. You know, it was like one of our first few shows. So she was rushing. She was figuring, oh, I don't have to wear these things. I'm just got to put it on because she was late. Oh, wow. So she just put on the spandex thinking, you know, it, it, it's cool. No, it wasn't cool. That never happened again. Wow. I bet it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, Um, I don't know what you else you could tell us, but <laughs> what's, your, what's your second most present memory? <laughs> My second most, I would have to say, God, there's so many. I would have to say... Well, with Janet, well, you know what? That actually, we were in Cleveland, Ohio, and I was performing during my show, and I actually slipped and fell on the stage. Oh my gosh. Like, I was dancing, running around, and Janet was always on the side of the stage. She would always watch my show. So, her and her dancers, they was always on the side cheering me on and everything. So, <laughs> I, when, so when I fell, I kind of popped up real quick, and then I looked over to the side, and Janet was crying. Crying, she was cracking up, <laughs> and she kind of did this move like like she slipped, you know. And now how I slipped, and she was just dying. She was smacking her knee and everything, crying. Oh, that's a good laugh when you got to bend over and laugh. So after when I when I walked off the stage afterwards, she came up to me. And she said, "Chucky, that was really funny." <laughs> As if you couldn't tell from her doubled over. <laughs> Yeah, she was like, yeah. I said, I, yeah, I could tell. She was dying. <laughs> I said, all right. I said, I'm going to be waiting for your butt to slip and fall. <laughs> now, be, being in the industry for so long and having to observe so many artists who come and go, what lessons can a new performer learn from a legend like Janet? Many intangibles to follow. But if there was one rule that I would tell a new artist, I would have to say that Whatever you do as an artist, just make sure that you tell the truth. You make sure that what you sing and what you do, that that is what your life is about or that is what your goal is that you're working towards to be as an artist. Tell the truth. Just as long as you tell the truth and you're doing what you love to do and that's who you are, then you'll be fine. That's that's the, the main objective that I would tell anyone getting in this business. Just be true to who you are. 
the Velvet Rope album, uh, people was talking about how she just let out all this energy, just put it all out on the table. Like here, this is this is what you know what's going on in my world, and people connect so much with that project. And when you said that, that's the first thing that popped in my mind. Absolutely. And really every album, she's done that time and time again. And I think that's yes. what makes her yes. so distinct for me. We talk about all the time, like, you know, people talk about the next Michael Jackson or the next Janet Jackson. Right. And for me, the difficulty in the next Janet Jackson is you have to be willing to be authentic. Absolutely. You can't be attempting to be the next Janet Jackson. You have to be authentic. Yeah. You have to be yourself. Yes, absolutely. And so we see a lot of people who were obviously influenced by her and who are doing well in the industry. But I don't think we have the next Janet Jackson because I don't think we have anyone who's willing to bear their soul and 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 have well, that literally be the gift yeah, to the world. Absolutely. Well, for starters, there will never be another Janet Jackson. That's number one. That will never happen. They always say never say never. Uh-huh. I'm saying never. <laughs> there will never be Another Janet yeah. Jackson ever. You don't got to convince us. Janet is, is in her own lane. I'm not saying that because people might say, oh, Chucky, he's biased or whatever because he knows her. No, I'm saying that because I've experienced it. I've experienced being around her, with her, working with her. There is nobody right. like Janet ever. And you've been, been able to see it from and several I, sides, too. Like you've been able to witness her impact on people Absolutely. how people respond to her and that's part Absolutely. of it too for me it's like the response she gets the response michael gets yeah it's not all because of the songs right they got a little something special different an energy that they give to people that people give back absolutely janet is 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 perfect for that she's great for that that's what she does she really is about people she really is about children she really is about entertaining. You know, she's really about that. She, like I said, she's in many ways, she is like her brother. And I've worked with many, many artists in my past. I mean, I've worked with TLC. I was their musical director. I worked with Tina Turner. I've worked with uh, Faith Evans. I mean, I've worked with many, many artists, you know, in my heyday. And they're all very special. But, you know, when it comes to Janet, there is just something that I cannot describe that just makes her extremely special. And that is some of the best times that I've ever witnessed. And I will always hold on to that because she really is a special individual by far. She really is. Okay. I got, you just sparked so many questions. So let me try to get my brain straight. Okay. The first one I have is related <laughs> to, so you mentioned a couple of different folks that you tour with, all of folks that we love, you know, Tina Turner, TLC. I was wondering, yes. since Janet and Rhythm Nation was your first tour, were there things you did then that you carry now, like something you perfected or figured out then or are there things that you do now that you didn't do then? Like, wow, I made that hard. <laughs> yes. At, at that, you know what? That's a great question because my first time around, like I said, as a musical director, I actually worked with somebody that I already knew. So it was so easy for me. And I was thinking, oh, it'll be easy just like this on my next one. No, it was not. <laughs> it was hard because... I didn't really have that type of uh, friendship with that person. So 
actually, my next tour or artist that I worked with after Janet was actually Tevin Campbell. Uh, I worked with him in 92 and I didn't have that rapport with him. So I really had to like learn, like really hang out with him and see what songs he liked and what his strengths were and weaknesses. And and then once I got to really know him, then I said, okay, now I can put a show together that would best you know represent who he is as an artist. You know, not just from my recollection or from my standpoint, you know, I had to really dig deep and find out like, you know, who he really, you know, who he really looked up to. And one of the artists that he really looked up to was Aretha Franklin. So we had to pull a couple of songs, you know, and kind of, you know, did a couple of different arrangements, like how Aretha would have done it. And he was like, Chucky, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You know, so it, I had to learn that after working with Janet, that you really have to learn or really get to know the artist that you're working with before you can really put together a great show. Nice. Okay. And another one for you thinking about Rhythm Nation and, you know, kind of the makeup of the songs. We know the tour was really control and Rhythm Nation kind of balanced. Um, So I wanted to know how much input did you have on like set list? And was there a conscious decision not to include any of the earlier stuff? Obviously, you all decided not to. But like, was there a strong reason that you all discussed for not including any of the earlier stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had, I did have some input, but Janet and Jimmy kind of had, um, they already had an idea of what they wanted to do as far as for the set list for the show. But when I came in, I just said, well, you know what, how about if we flip this here and flip that there, because she's going to have to do a costume change here or a set change here, or she's going to be singing really hard on this song. So we can't come back with this song. So they were like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. We, now we get it. So I think it was just a, a mixture of all of us together that really helped. But they major, majority came out with the actual set list. They they had the, the majority of the set list already set in stone. But I just came in and made a few changes here and there. First, a quick question, easy one. On your song, Games, there's a voice that calls your name. Is that the voice we think it is? Yes. <laughs> that is Chris Jackson. Yes, it is. So somebody <laughs> was right. Um, <laughs> so like, where did it come from? What was the sample from? It was actually, it was a recording of one of the live shows that we did because we recorded every every show. So when I was doing my song, I, when I was actually recording games, I was like, oh man, well, I need something really cool here. I had a sample of one of the shows and I put it in, you know, just kind of snuck it in there. And then I let Jenna hear it. She said, oh, that's cool. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the other day I was having a conversation with a friend and I was telling about upcoming podcasts. And of course, not to say you're going to be on the show. And he actually had the nerve to say, I don't know, Chucky. And then he was like, oh, wait, wait, is that Chucky? Chucky! (laughs) Yeah, so that's an actual sample. Uh, During the live show, Janet would, right before we would do Nasty Boys, she would say, Chucky! And I'd say, yeah! And she'd say, give me a beat! And then boom, 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 boom. So I just took the Chucky at the beginning and included that in the the song. Love that. I mean, it's iconic. And it made your voice, like... It affixed your name to that song. So like, we don't ever have to worry. Like, man, who sings that song? Like, you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to do that. <laughs> you ought to see my face That's right funny. now. I'm just sitting here like, wow. Because I always wondered, but I was like, no. That's my girl. She's cool. She's cool. Yeah, that's her. Okay. One of our big debates between me and Courtney is, Janet, should she do a cover album? I'm 
I'm against it personally. Well, sometimes I'm but a no. Courtney's like, sometimes yes. I'm a yes. Do you think that she should do something? Yeah, yeah. That's um. You know what? It for me. I mean, she really doesn't have to do a cover album, but if she does, I think it's just a matter of which songs that she would cover is what would make the difference and the concept of the of the album. So to me, it's just a matter of that's the question. If you were producing it, like what one or two songs would you say like this? You should cover these. Ooh, wow. Uh, you know what? I really never gave it any thought. But... <laughs> I I would not have expected you to. <laughs> you know, judging from her voice, the range of her voice, like what songs would be would be cool. Wow, that's interesting. See, I always think about like what could she do with the harmonies? Because I think that's where she really shines. Like any song of hers that I really love, like Take Care, it's the harmonies. Like Come Back to Me, the harmonies. Yeah, like, absolutely. Her her harmonies are they're epic. They are amazing. Uh yeah, that's that's a good question. Um I really have to think about that. <laughs> think on it, you let us know. You let us know. <laughs> you could look send us a message later on. Let's know. I would definitely think about that. I want to give you a chance to just, you know, kind of let us know, is there any projects in the works for you that we should keep an eye out for? Yes, I'm actually working on a new project uh, myself. I'm going to do an EP. What? Uh, yeah, I'm working on a, on a record right now, actually. And so I'm, I'm doing that. Hopefully it will be finished by July and drop in August. Oh, that's exciting. That is great. Yeah. Because I still listen to Turned Away like it came out today. So it'll be nice to upgrade. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And games come on, like on Quiet Storm down here. I'm fans. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I still stay busy. I'm still producing. I'm still writing. I'm actually working with the uh, the old, old school group Cameo right now. Are you serious? Cameo has something coming? <gasps> it's hot, too. It's hot. Yeah, Cameo. Yeah, I'm working with Cameo. I'm working with uh, singer Glenn Jones right now. Here we are again, Glenn Jones. Yep. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, so I'm, I'm staying pretty busy, you know, outside of me touring right now because I'm actually the musical director for Lionel Richie. So he's gearing up for a tour now. We, we leave uh, May the 27th. We'll be out for three months. Listen, if you come, listen, first of all, I told you you were the first person I saw on concert. Lionel Richie was one of the first albums I had. I can't say it was the first, but the first albums that I had were Disco Duck. <laughs> Disco Duck. She's not lying either, man. <laughs> nope. Cam knows. The Chipmunks. Oh, everybody had that record. I had the Funkadelics, One Nation Under Groove, and Lionel Richie. Was it can't Slow Down, or was it? So Penny Lover was on the album. What was the title of that album? Yeah, with the blue with the turquoise green sweater. Yeah, I got that one too. <laughs> oh no, that was just his Lionel Richie record. That was just the one with the orange background cover. When I was six, those were the albums that I played on my Fisher Price record player. Hey, I'm still blown away with Cameo and Glenn Jones. <laughs> Listen, yes, <laughs> yes, we have learned so much. Um what were we even talking about? How we get a lot of Richie? Oh, because you're working. So you're touring with Lana Richie. And I'm excited about that, man. Oh, my heart is pounding a little bit. I mean, this is a Janet Jackson show, but I don't know if you can tell. We love 
a lot of different music. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, again, we said we had one more random question. It's truly random. Oh, boy. <laughs> if you were to host a dinner party for four musical icons, dead or alive, who would you invite and where would you go for dinner? Ooh. All right. Uh, interesting. I would invite, you said dead or alive. Mm-hmm. I would say one would be Donnie Hathaway. Number two would be Prince. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Number three would be Barry White. And number four would be Michael Jackson. Man, that's some kind of dinner party. Now, where where are you all going, Chucky? We're all going to Trinidad, Tobago. There's a restaurant there that has no name, but they have the best Trinidadian food that I've ever tasted in my life. And that's where we're all going to go. We're just going to go there, sit out right by the water and have and just have one great time of, of having dinner and just hanging out, looking at the water and talking about music. Yeah. And those four are probably in my upper echelon of great musicians and, and, and entertainers. So, yeah. Wow. That would be epic. Yeah. That's a good list. That's a good list. Hey, this has been great. Our goal here is to provide a space for fans to get together and share the love for Janet Jackson, but also to document and record in real time her impact and her legacy. So we thank you so much for helping us to do that um, today. And we really thank you for your contributions to Janet's career and just for being such a strong supporter of someone that we care so deeply about. I had a great time. Hey, anytime you want to chat with us, the doors are open. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that really is it for us for now. If you need more Janet Jackson, which we know you need more Janet Jackson, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And also, if you are already a subscriber of this podcast, please leave us a comment wherever you are listening. Your comments and likes help other people find us, especially on iTunes. Yes, please leave us a comment on iTunes if you can, even if you listen elsewhere. And tell a friend to follow us on social media at JJ Today Pod. We would love to hear from other fans. Our intro and outro music is provided by Good For You by THBD. It's licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license.